Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Online Warriors podcast. I'm Illegal86 and I'm very warm. Uh, that's a fun, just a fun fact about me right now. I'm going through something. Well, I'm always going through something, but Nerd Bomber Tactic, allow me to share with you my personal trials right now. For those that don't know me outside of podcast land, I'm a big fan of sweaters. Nerd Bomber Tactic, most of the time you see me, I'm probably wearing a sweater. Is that a fair assessment? These days, I feel like mm-hmm. it's a fair assessment. Big sweater guy. Huge into sweaters. Sweater season is about to end. We had a good long run this year, sweater season, but it's now like mid-May and I'm now dying. I'm wearing a sweater right now out of sheer obstinance and like stubbornness. Those two words mean the same just, thing. Just I just don't want sweater season to end. Free. I'm going to have to. I, I think it's out of my hands now. Have you considered uh, sweater vests? doesn't have air conditioning. I t- I, you know, I actually have. Um, I almost bought a sweater vest on clearance like two weeks ago. Uh, I opted out. I don't know if I'm ready. I don't know if the world is ready. It doesn't seem like the right time. Uh, I have a lot going on in my life right now. I feel like I need to be more mentally available to handle everything that comes with buying a sweater vest. So I I, I didn't do it. But I'm going to be working through that. Uh, Our house doesn't have air conditioning yet. It's getting air conditioning tomorrow. But currently in a hot room doing a podcast with my two good friends, Nerd Bomber and Tactic. It's great to be here. We're going to be talking to you about virtual reality and in particular, some recent advancements, research being done on VR for a particular part of the body. That's a fun tease, right? It's got you thinking all kinds of great things, I'm sure. We're going to be talking about Is it penis WWE. Stuff? I it's penis stuff. It's, it's I, I, I mean, spoilers, it's not penis stuff. Sorry to disappoint you. We're going to be talking about WWE and their foray into a new genre of video game after their recent success of wwe 2k22 and we're going to be talking about obi-wan kenobi once again getting in one last kind of tease before the show actually comes out on may 27th they dropped the official trailer so we'll get to that as well but i want to start with mouth vr (laughs) that's sounds inappropriate and it probably is so that's the story here guys scientists have invented mouth haptics for vr some examples of this as developed by scientists from carnegie mellon carnegie mellon university's future interfaces group uh, they've added ultrasonic transducers to a MetaQuest 2 previously the oculus that focused acoustic energy on the mouth so you can feel the wind on your face while riding a bike taking a sip from a fountain and feeling the water on your lips and covering yourself with spiders that you'll feel running in and around your mouth i love they ended on that one yeah i generally they said that's know, the one like, we're gonna leave you thinking about who was like you know what would be great for this press release let's tell everyone they can feel spiders in their mouth that's gonna get everybody around. on board like who thought of that i want to know if you are the pr person who was like this is going to be the thing that's going to grab everyone's attention a you were right it did but b like please let me know who you are because i'm intrigued I think you know, so. some other examples, walking through a, a cobwebs in a forest, I mentioned they sipping coffee, I think, or maybe I didn't, smoking a cigarette, brushing your teeth, riding a motorbike. If you can feel spiders in and around your mouth, let's be honest, the internet is weird. It's, it's, they probably just threw that in there to basically say, hey, you, it, you could probably feel someone lick your face. Well, yeah, I think they wanted to indicate a like horror games because that's a big one. And also horror games. If you catch With a WH. Right. Like, so, so we're, we're going to get to that part. Uh, so first of all, this group did a study that found that this boosts the authenticity, the realism of virtual reality. So apparently 
you feel a lot of stuff through your mouth and you don't know it i guess maybe that's the takeaway i think it's a cool takeaway i think it's interesting i do think it's interesting that i don't want to say it feels disingenuous to me or like fake but like call this what it is okay like we are living in an increasingly sex positive society that's 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 my opinion that's my presumption you know this is gonna go to like sex stuff you know that's where this is headed you know it's gonna be like licking stuff and all that like just own that man like it, it almost seems weird to me that they're like you can feel spiders on your like that's such a weird corner case like i get that they're going for like a horror vibe but like just just come on just own it just own what you know this is probably going to be used for and admit to it because it's still a cool technological advancement it's a cool thing i don't know maybe that's a weird soapbox for me to stand well on there's a lot of benefits on, too like, to that like i'm not even trying to be pervy like i guarantee you crime would be reduced no neither am i well, I mean, even like thing. long distance relationships, although I feel like this alone would not solve any problems. Because if you think about it, it's like a very isolated thing. I do think that obviously people will use it for sexy time stuff, but I don't think it'll be as, I guess this sounds weird, like satisfying as people want it to be. So like, I can see this actually being used for original intent, which like, I don't know, one of the things that I always go back to the first time I played London Heist on the PSVR, I don't know if you guys played that, it was on like the PSVR Worlds thing. And you were, the whole time you were thinking, I wish I could feel this in my mouth right now. Well, no, but there was, there was a point when you're talking to one of the mob bosses or something, I think it's right in the beginning before you start like shooting and there's a lot of action, but you're sitting in this bar and the mob boss gives you a cigar and you hold it up to your face, obviously, like the PS Move controller. But because the headset mic built in could hear you breathe in and out, if you like took a sharp breath in, it basically reflected you smoking the cigar. And then when you blew it out, the puff of smoke would show up in front of your face. And that was super cool. So I can only right. imagine like how more immersive that would be if it actually felt like you were smoking a cigar or I mean, I'm sure there's a bunch of other applications for this. Right. Well, it, it, so it, would, it would literally feel like they would somehow simulate the feeling of an actual cigar placed between your lips. Like it, it is crazy to me to think about. And I agree. It has probably wide ranging utility. I mean, I, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, or well, I guess you guys can't. Neither of you are smokers. But like, I think smokers have talked about like, sometimes they don't even miss like yeah get it kicking like nicotine is one thing but like it's an oral fixation yeah just the sensation of doing it is a component of it so to be able to introduce something like hey smoke in vr and you'll be like you're smoking but you're not so your lungs can heal like it there's definitely benefit to be had from this it's it's it, it begs questions you and know like the other side of it is like the yeah. vr phenomena you always feel like you look really cool in vr and we all know you don't but like people also think they look cool holding a cigarette. And so there's that. Right. Do you think taste and smell is like the next frontier? Like, do you think this was kind of like this first foray into like moving towards that? Because I can only imagine like this is just the tip of the iceberg. If you want to have that like experience of eating food, you want to also then taste it. Like it's one thing to be able to like feel yourself chewing, you I know, but if you think... don't like taste or smell something, it's... Just what I happened. do not think taste and smell. What's next is the rest of your body. I was going to say gloves. I think the gloves are next. I think the next thing, and I, for, for what's worth, that's the next. What the next thing should be, in my opinion, is haptic gloves. There is no longer 
any sort of reach out and like you're not holding wands you're not holding a controller you're wearing gloves and you see something in front of you in the game you reach out to pick it up and the game tells you you're feeling this thing you can pick it up to me that's the next thing whether it's done with ultrasonic whatever like this is or whether it's done with something else i don't know we need the full suits from the the show upload with all the little tentacles that touch your body those ones i think the biggest thing for me and so like the meta quest they actually part of the kind of beta experience they do have controllerless operation where it because it has all the cameras on the outside for the pass-through it can see and detect your hands even if you're not holding the controller so like you can grab things and manipulate things with just your hands but obviously you're not getting that feedback right but i think like for me the biggest thing though is still real motion because that would solve so many problems if they could i mean i know they have those like kind of treadmill disc things but they're still super expensive but they're not there yet. yeah and i feel yeah. like the biggest thing is you know not being able to move because that's the real quote-unquote authentic experience is having that weird get up in the ready right. player one movie where you're strapped into a thing and you can move in any direction and it'll pick it up i think taste and smell are a very long way off because i like everything else you're talking about pressure sensors you're talking about you're talking about things that are very physically realizable taste and smell that 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 it becomes chemical well there's there's two ways to do that like you said there's the chemical way where it's actually like excreting a taste or a smell but they could also somehow tap into like a neurological pathway which is kind of scary to think about but i'm sure there's some sort of like nerve simulation where they could simulate the taste and smell by just like firing off specific nerve endings but now we're talking about something that's even harder than just the chemical way. And yeah. both, both of those things, I think, are harder than just like, hey, when they reach out in this exact direction, you're going to feel the pressure pad on, yeah, on your hand, like depresses and you feel something like, to me, that's much more realizable. It, it's certainly going to be expensive for a long, long time. But it's just, it is interesting, like even before the whole like mouth thing, I would have thought gloves would have been next because again, that just, it feels so realizable to me. And it's still very easy to take that to sexy town. See, but you know, I so think that's their ultimate goal. Like, you know, in, in these, you know, key development innovation milestones, gloves are already there. And so if you want to stand out amongst the sea of glove makers, you make mouth feedback. I suppose. I just like, I also, I wonder if, did they arrive at this destination because they did some kind of sub study where they realized that like the best way to increase immersion is to like stimulate the mouth. Like I, there might have been a reason, a very educated reason for them targeting that specific part of the body for just kind of like a general use case. I do also I don't wonder if it's understand. An, an integration type move. So right now, every, they've seen the market that everyone's okay with buying the headset and that comes with the controllers. And, and I know what you're saying, why couldn't the club, gloves just be the controllers? Yeah, I agree. But I think their, their selling point might also be wanna... that they can just call it a new integrated headset and it's it's already this new thing that users are familiar with and it's just right. a feature that they, they just turn on well even i think they don't want this thing is an addition to an existing headset like it works with the meta quest too but i think it said that it could eventually be applied to any other headset so it's this is more like an add-on and it kind of makes sense why they would focus on on something close to the head because now, like you said, Tactic, a lot of people are okay having the headset. People aren't even okay now having wires. Like, they want that right. wireless experience. I'm spoiled for sure. So you're not adding much. Right. Right. That, that makes sense. And you're not having to, like, 
you know, I'm sure Meta is thinking like, oh, we don't want people to have to like sell their controllers or like realize their controllers are useless. So we'll add this thing that increases the immersion. It's something else for them to buy. Like, I, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know if Meta like funded this research. They probably did. But it's very interesting. Nevertheless, uh, the application is potentially boundless, as we have mentioned. There doesn't seem to be like a rollout date for this probably quite a ways off maybe a part of a new work focused headset called project cambria that meta is currently developing for use in the metaverse that apparently uh, there's an internal roadmap revealing that there are four new vr devices on their way in the next two years so this may be sooner than you think but still probably a little bit of a ways off so so you guys you get your hands on one of these units what is the first thing that you use it for and don't say the obvious don't say like sexy time what is the first like creative unique thing that you would want to do with it i'd like to stand in a oh, field with flowers and butterflies and feel the wind on my face in this this sprawling field uh sexy time <laughs> <laughs> i'm just kidding uh like a breath of the know. wild type scene you know that that opening scene that everyone's familiar with when they think of breath of the wild it's like that sort of like vast landscape i want to feel that i would want to play an instrument I think that would be really cool to get that sort of like haptic feedback of playing like a saxophone or this is a fun fact, little known. Well, I guess not little known, but I just don't talk about it. I played the clarinet until sixth grade and it was cool. It wasn't my first choice of instrument. That's a whole other story. But it grossed me out because the reed would get like moist. Yeah, it, t- it tastes nasty. Yeah. And yeah. it's just like then your band teacher would come over and put their mouth on it and then their spit would be in your reed and it was just grody. Okay, well that's that's not that should not have happened ever. That seems psycho. Well, like back in like the nineties, that was just like the thing though. They wanted to show you and they didn't have like if you were in band, there's like fifty different instruments. Never once. Really? Never once did that happen to so me. So that was no. just I so I that was just a me thing. Mm. I played various saxophones, which also have reeds starting in fourth grade and going all the way up through when I graduated high school. Not once did my band teacher say, hey, let me show you and grabbed it. And started like, no way. See, that's, that happened every single band teacher that I had from the time that I started playing in third grade all the way up to sixth grade. And they were different every year would mouth my instrument. And the one I remember distinctly was the one the one band teacher. She always wore very bright red lipstick. And I thought I'd gotten away no. scot free. And then she... Like it was like the end of the year and she, I, she didn't like that. I played something wrong and she's like, here, let me show you. And then I just, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I couldn't, it was gross. It was, there was a red ring all over my mouthpiece and the reed. So like, I would love to so, experience that again in VR without having I grossness. I always grossness. hated when my band teacher would mouth my instrument. And it was really, really strange too, because I was percussion. Oh God. <laughs> oh God. I, I, so, so. Uh, I smell a Twitter poll here. Oh, wow. That was uh, the double instrument. At Online Warriors 1, we should put a Twitter poll up saying, did your band teacher ever mouth your instrument? <laughs> and just see what comes back. Because I think you're going to get a solid 90% no. Uh, I, think that's, I think that's just wild that that happened to you. I, when, I, when I think about reads, like now, like, like 10 plus years removed from the experience, I literally like, I almost gag. Like I get, I, I, I get this weird sensory experience. Like I cringe all over. I still have my saxophone. I haven't played it in like 10 plus years, but it's fun. Uh, and you sound pretty cool sometimes when you're playing it. Now the cool instrument is the trumpet that I wish I did, but even still. I would, going back to the mouth VR thing, I would definitely just like simulate skydiving 
just to like i'd be like let's crank this thing all the way to 11 like make my cheeks my cheeks ripple that's what i want make me ariel from the little mermaid on the rock with the water splashing into my face and i want to look that, i want to look down and see my gorgeous body in a mermaid tail it seems like a tall order but they can get it done if they can make it to like spiders are crawling on your mouth they can probably get it done so again uh, sometime in the next two years it sounds like this is possible but we really don't know it's just interesting to consider let's transition to the world of star wars as we often do obi-wan kenobi got a official trailer as opposed to the teaser trailer for the limited series that starts streaming on may 27th a uh, minute and a half trailer came out on the 4th of may of course in honor of may the 4th be with you um which we did not celebrate last week we were we were remiss about that but some retread content here some of the same stuff we had already seen luke pretending to fly a ship while on top of the hut on tatooine you know the whole deal we did see some interesting things here though first of all I am very curious about the general level of interaction between Obi-Wan Kenobi and Owen Wars. Because in the fourth episode, most people will call episode four, Owen Wars kind of plays like he doesn't really know much about old Ben Kenobi. Could that have been... Like, this is what I mean. It's interesting. They're kind of like adding character depth to Owen Wars, you know, whereas... In episode four, when you first see him, he just kind of writes off Ben Kenobi as some old hermit, and you kind of think, oh, he just doesn't really know what's going on. Maybe he very much does know what's going on, and he's, like, trying to get Luke off off that topic kind of thing. Like, I just, I think it's very interesting. They have a lot to work with here. Uh, Joel Edgerton's a great actor. I think that's going to be awesome. Very hyped for that. Also very hyped for Bounty Hunters. Oh, I was going to say, who do you think Kumail Nanjiani is? Uh, she's like an alien or something. <laughs> And did we see we didn't see him did no we, we saw him yeah, he, he was, was here he looked very worried i thought that was i literally thought that was colin farrell no sir did he have a beard um maybe he was the guy with he, the beard he looked very chiseled as he does now who am i thinking of that i saw oh yeah he's an obi-wan i could have sworn i saw colin farrell for a second but i it must have been kumail nanjiani and i just thought it was colin farrell do you think by the end of the series he's going to cut his hair to represent more old old man kenobi he's going to go bald yeah good yeah i think so who do we think he is? Uh, that's a great question. A good guy. Right now, when you Google Obi-Wan Kenobi under Kumail Nanjiani's name, it just says question mark. So pretty ambiguous <laughs> at this point. We get, of course, the big tease here for Darth Vader. Uh, not seeing him, but of course, seeing the, the suit go on. We know that's coming, Which, but it's still juicy. Just to think Knowing, about. even still like knowing the big bad that Darth Vader is, like they did that very well in this trailer where I was like, Wow, I, I got I got a, I got some chills there. I was very excited with how well they they did the the ominousness of his his voice again that we all know and love. But like it felt almost like this new threat, and I'm just I was just impressed with that. See, what's interesting to me is the more that they keep using him in trailers and teasers, I almost wish they had hung on to it. Like if you remember when we watched The Mandalorian, we had no knowledge that Baby Yoda was going to appear. You got like, what was it, the end of the first or maybe the second episode and Baby Yoda appeared and it was like such a wow moment because nobody saw it coming. I almost wish they had just hung on to Darth Vader, like making him a secret, keeping that Hayden Christensen was coming back a secret and just kind of be like, eh, this is just going to be about Obi-Wan Kenobi. Don't worry about it. And then like at the end of the first episode or the second, it would just be like, bam, there he is. And everyone would be like, wow, now it's just going to be like okay 
he's here. That's cool. It's a delicate balance. So, so, so first of all, I think there's plenty of room for other things like that. One example, we may see Yoda in this and we don't know yet. You know, the plot surrounding the Jedi being in hiding, like, yeah, I think Yoda could very well appear at some point. Well, the other side of it, too, is, and, and I kind of disagree, I think they should be introduced in parallel and, and it would culminate to a meeting where you're getting the yeah. full Darth Vader side of, of Palpatine just, just beating down on his emotions and feeding on that anger, feeding on that hatred, fueling it, fueling it, fueling it. And then inversely, you get that sorrow and that sadness of losing a brother from Obi-Wan Kenobi and and him searching for this this sort of redemption within his own, you know, failures. And And I think they can culminate to this, dare I say, just beautiful moment. And it might not be emotionally beautiful, but it would be like... Payoff. Episodically beautiful. It's it's a delicate balance because they need to draw people in, and I honestly I don't know if just Ewan McGregor coming back as Obi Wan is going to do that. I, I I think for me, having heard about this series being developed, hearing that Hayden Christensen was coming back as Darth Vader, if only because of the meme potential, I was like, okay, now I really have to watch this. Now I'm really in. And then the trailers came out, and it looks good on its own without the Darth Vader content. But I just I think that does add some fuel to the fire, so I can kind of see it both ways. I think they've done a pretty good job building hype. I think they've done a really good job teasing things out a little bit. I'm really, really curious. One thing I've been, I've talked about for a long time and I think they did it a little bit in the sequel trilogy, but I want, I I always want more Coruscant and I'm guessing that's the planet that's, that's shown in this trailer and the last trailer. I'm guessing that's Coruscant. It may not be, I suppose, but we see Coruscant in the prequel trilogy and it's literally a city planet. Imagine how much could go on in in a city planet, on a city planet that it probably has like six different underworlds. Like there's just, there's so much to, to parse there and we don't see much of it. I want more of that. I want more seedy bounty hunters hunting Obi-Wan Kenobi. Like, yes, I want Jedi content, but like Obi-Wan Kenobi firing a blaster in this trailer. That was cool too. You know, he's probably pretty reticent about using a lightsaber because it reveals him. So I just think there's a lot of cool things to be explored here in, in that kind of vein and couldn't be more excited about it. Uh, I, I, again, I think this trailer is doing all the right things. It's going to be a day one for me, which Disney plus, you know, I'm not really, I'm not high on them right now. I'm not high on their supply. I, I stopped watching Moon Knight officially. I'm done. Like, I think I watched three or four episodes and it got too weird and like not very good. I was just like, this isn't worth it. So I, I got off that train. I haven't watched Hawkeye. I haven't watched... Hawkeye was good. Uh, what was the other one? I haven't watched Book of Boba Fett. Like, there's just there's just a lot of things that I just, like... I haven't felt the need. I don't know if it's, like, Disney exhaustion, Marvel exhaustion, or Star Wars. I don't know what it is. I'm going to be day one for Obi-Wan, though, because this looks like it's a too-big-to-miss event. I do get so. what you're saying. Like, there, it feels like Disney Plus has been throwing stuff at us the last couple years, where... I don't know about you guys, but, like, the first year that you had Disney Plus and shared it with us. I don't even know how long Disney Plus has been around, but it felt like we couldn't wait for more things to drop because there wasn't a ton of stuff. Like we got The Mandalorian and I don't even remember what else we got, if anything, that first year. Like I think The Mandalorian was like the biggest uh, one. The Jeff Goldblum show. Oh, that's right. (laughs) The world according to Jeff Goldblum was pretty funny for a little bit. I haven't watched it in a really long time, but it was pretty funny for a little bit. But like The Mandalorian just felt super quality. And then all of a sudden, like, you had WandaVision, but then right on the heels of that, you had Falcon and Winter Soldier. And then right on the heels of that, you had 
more things dropping and it just feels like there's so much coming. Right. and then in addition to the fact that now it's not just we're at home and this is the only stuff we're getting there's movies on top of this especially in the mcu there's just so much it's so hard to keep up showing right. continual growth to the shareholders is just draining the lifeblood of everyone that enjoys things so stop adding well i just make it a drip again i, I don't i don't know like the mandalorian did something pretty exceptional and I think, uh, you know, unfortunately, I think it, it showed Disney Plus, whether correct or incorrect, like we can make Marvel shows. I don't even know if I can say right now that Marvel shows are generally a good idea. On balance, they're not for me. I would say it's like it a 50-50 seems- split right now. Like they're either really good or really right. me- mediocre. And there's no in between. I just don't know. Like for me, when I sit down to watch a show, I'm looking for something like to use a recent example, a show that I thought was phenomenal, Severance on Apple TV Plus. That to me, that's like it's very it was very bingeable. It was very interesting. It was very unique. Marvel shows and Star Wars shows, even like no matter how you slice it, no matter if they're more gritty or if they're more something or other, even WandaVision, which was unique in a lot of ways, you still pretty much know what you're getting, and it's a lot more of the same thing that you've seen at the movies. And and that just I, I think eventually that wears off. Yeah, like the, the the thrill of that wears off, and you're left with, you know, situations like now where I'm like, I guess I'll go see Multiverse of Madness. I'm probably going to not understand certain things. Like, they're at a delicate point right now with all of this. I don't know that I would say Star Wars is in danger of doing the same thing, which again is why I'm excited about Obi Wan. But the Marvel content needs to slow its pace. Uh, well, I think the Star Wars content, opinion. like the book of Boba Fett, and part of that was I heard bad things about it, so that didn't make me want to watch it, but it also released amongst a slew of Marvel stuff. And I just don't know if right. anybody's attention can support that many dramatic shows dropping at the same time. And by dramatic, I mean like you got to pay attention. They're like an hour long show that you actually have to have to actively watch. Like you can't just throw it on. It's heavy ish for the most part, like maybe get some ha ha's here and there. But for the most part, like it's action somewhat heavy. There's stuff that you have to pay attention to to figure out because there's Easter eggs like you can't passively watch it. And that's a lot to drop all at once. And I think that was something that kind of hurt the book of Boba Fett. The Mandalorian did something really exceptional. They they made a half hour long show that had the production value of a movie that was very, very brilliantly episodic in the, in the sense that you would watch an episode in a given week and you would say, okay, that was good. And I'm not, you know, I'm not clamoring for the next one. And that's okay. I think that was the great thing about the Mandalorian is he would watch an episode and you would say, that was a great experience. And now I'm good until next week comes around and when next week comes around i'll be ready to watch it again and i'll be excited to watch it again like there's there's this like there's interesting psychology with that that i don't i don't know if i can fully wrap my head around but the marvel grind is not hitting that right now it's 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 too much and i don't know if they're biting off more than they can chew at this point when i see multiverse of badness i guess i'll i'll revisit that that point but for right now all i can say is i'm really excited about obi-wan uh, and that doesn't seem likely to change before May 27th when it comes out. So that brings us to the halfway point of the show, at which point I would be remiss uh, for the second time today. I've said that I would be remiss if I did not shout out our fantastic Patreon producer, Mr. Stephen Keller. Stephen, it's a pleasure having you around. It's a pleasure having you at our table, our square table, 
as a knight. Steven is a knight. He supports us at the highest of our three levels of Patreon support. As a result, he gets this producer's shout-out. He gets input into the weekly game segment, which I am hosting this week. More details to come on that. Uh, and he also, of course, gets access to the monthly secret segment and vlog, as well as the occasional guest spot, which is coming up for Steven. You can also support us at the Squire level on our Patreon, which gets you access to the monthly secret segment and vlog. And there's also a page level, which gets you access to the monthly secret segment. So details on any and all of those levels of support can be found over at patreon.com slash online warriors podcast. Get the details there. Uh, say hi to Steven. Say hi to us. Help us keep this thing going if you like what you listen to thanks again to steven we'll take a short break now to shout out a sponsor and we'll be back to talk about wwe hey welcome to the last comic shop podcast a comic book podcast that actually talks about comics yep each week we open the shop up and read and discuss a comic sometimes we pair that up with comic book movies or tv shows or not lots of times it's just comic books and sound effects. Oh, yes. Definitely lots of sound effects. So tune in on all the major podcasting platforms the Last Comic Shop Podcast. Or check out our library of evergreen shows at www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com. Okay, we are back to talk about... What, what, what does WWE stand for? Because I tried to figure it out before and I couldn't. Is it World Wrestling entertainment do we know does anyone are we do we have any wrestling fans here i think that's all? correct uh, i'm uh vince mcmahon that's all i know uh he's in a lot of gifs a lot of funny gifs and memes guys they're they've signed a deal to make an official wrestling role-playing game with an official reveal coming soon 80 percent of its audience is gamers um so this they're expanding into a new division with a new rpg they had some uh pretty bad uh, I don't want to say bad luck, but uh, 2K20 came out and that did pretty badly. Uh, they took a year's break. They did not come out with the 2K21. Uh, they came out with the 2K22, which uh, has done very well. And uh, the CEO of the company, chief brand manager, I should say, Stephanie McMahon, uh, says this tactic proved very successful for the franchise. So now they're looking to get into RPGs and even not being a fan. So there's some interesting things to discuss here. I'm not a wrestling fan with that said. It's a great landscape of video games. Uh, and I mean that both in the sense of the traditional WWE games, which are very great arcadey experiences. But I also think a wrestling role-playing this has game huge makes, potential. It makes a crap load of sense, right? I mean, y- you've, seen, you've seen franchises like Madden even dip their toes into this where they say you can create a player and and you know you get drafted and you, you basically take them through their career i think Madden and that's a, a team sport example. where it makes no tony well, it's, Hawk. A, it, it's it's no. have you guys played face of the franchise in madden at all i don't I, know when the last time you guys not. have played i've watched you play it it's been a really long time i like i think the concept makes some sense but the fact that it's a team sport is always going to dilute that right tony well, Hawk is a good example what's um, interesting about face but, of the yeah. franchise though is like there's a story there and i would say that this is as loose of an rpg as you could get but you basically you're a character and yeah you're playing a team game but you only play as that one character 
unless you're obviously offense or defense. Right. But the way like you can choose to skip like if you're an offensive player, choose to skip defense. But then like there are choices right. that you make that do impact how your season goes and how your player grows and what kind of stats they have and what kind of career they're going to have. Granted, like you said, though, it ultimately turns back into a sports game. But like I think this could be interesting if it follows that sort of path. And something that I'm, I was kind of thinking of is, I don't know if you guys watch like Fighting With My Family, which is the Florence Pugh movie. I did not. It's really good. You should watch it. it. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm not even a huge wrestling fan and I loved that movie. And I like when Tectic brought it up, this is before I even really knew who Florence Pugh was. I was like, I don't think I'm going to like this, but okay, I guess it's. Free. I believe. Well, I, I, I think it was her breakout movie. I think, so, I think it was. Yeah. And yeah. Having something where you like literally start on the streets doing that's like, why I said Tony Hawk. That's why that's a way more parallel to an RPG because like I believe Tony Hawk's Underground too. You were like doing tricks in your backyard and like backyard wrestling is has a huge community, a huge community. So starting in your backyard wrestling, you hell you can even have mattresses down and you're just doing body slams and practicing moves and that it is just you can just the story builds itself and the best part about skating and and wrestling as opposed to football is you know football has the trajectory high school college nfl whereas wrestling it's like it can be anything it could be you can be a 50 year old dude and they're like hey and then you're like you said just doing like mud belly flops in your backyard and you can go from there yeah and you just you have know, this it's... look and this this uniqueness and this ability to like be a showman because because keep in mind it's it's a sport because there, there's a significant amount of athleticism involved in wrestling but also there's a bit of showmanship there that's that's like the biggest part if these well not yeah not a bit a lot there's i mean yeah, there's like they're like full-on soap operas with the amount of drama that's in in these matches so that's what i was gonna say though do you think they're gonna pick the realistic path like you know become a pro mode in whatever game or do you think they're going to say like hey we have this drama built out we have these wrestlers and personas that people love let's just take these people and basically like slap them in an rpg world and the wrestling is like your combat but that's not like you're not actually a wrestler do you know what i'm saying like make them in a more fantastical world and make the wrestlers your persona your character and like wrestling is your superpower and that's how you slate your foes but like you work up to facing the big bad or no. whatever at the end do you think they'll do something like that no absolutely it's gonna be you know you're going to these matches you're trying local things and they're like you, you have to like work out to get a certain amount of score and then they go nah you don't have it kid sorry and you, you try all these it's gonna be like it's gonna be the life i don't think it's gonna be a superhero shenanigans wwe i don't think is imaginative enough for that and i and and for what it's worth like to their credit i also think that the traditional route is a perfectly good idea like there's there's so much potential here what i want for it wrestling is such an interesting industry in that if you're a wrestler what is the end goal because it, for me if i was a wrestler which to become the rock me, you no i could exactly it's become the rock it's become john cena it is it is you use wrestling as a springboard uh, with which you parlay yourself into massive media careers. Like, I don't know how you make a game out of that necessarily, but if there's a way they should find it because like, I, I think there's so much more to this than, okay, wrestle work out and wrestle and like move up the ranks of wrestling. There should be a point at which, okay, a talent agent is interested in you for this 
thing and, and then, it, then it becomes kind of like a choose your own adventure thing that i think could become really multi-layered really really interesting well, yeah, you, you but, can have them being like you know like you said, john cena has his you can't see me shtick what's your line and and what's your theme what and every right. there should not be two like characters ever it should be fully customizable period which makes it you know makes it really ambitious and and you wonder I don't know if it says in here what developer is behind this or what developer will be behind this. I don't know who they've even worked with. Like, I don't know who they work with on their mainline games. Isn't it, it Take might be two? two? It looks like it's 2K. Or 2K? Yeah, it's because well, it's it's the 2K game. So I don't know if 2K is going to sign up for this or it's going to be some other brand looking to make a splash in a very deep, infinite choice RPG where you kind of, you build this character that can become basically anything. Like I, I it has a lot of potential depth, but it's going to require the proper execution. Yeah. It's very exciting. You know, and WWE, they're riding a high right now. Eight out of 10 is what IGN gave the 2K22. So even their traditional, you know, mainline games are, are doing well now, but it's, I would love to see this become something and, and it, it could provide a roadmap to, like a boxing game, you know, there, there, there's plenty of sports and as much as there are plenty of sports games out, there's probably still a lot of unmined sporting content in the video game world. Um, so it'd be cool to see the WWE branch out a little bit. We'll see though. No, uh, no official announcement yet, but there is an official reveal reportedly coming soon. It's what are you up to Wednesday time? What are you up to Wednesday? Let's talk about what we've been up to. Nerbomber, ladies first. Chivalry's not dead. All right, so... I don't know. Go ahead. We binged everything available in Girls 5 Eva. I can't remember if we talked about this last week. But Girls 5 Eva. We're on... You definitely did not. Okay. So, like I said, we had a one-month kind of subscription to Peacock because we wanted to watch Marry Me. We binged Killing It. That was great. You should watch it. And then we were like, okay, what else can we watch? That's like a super quick show. We wanted something half an hour, something funny, something light. So I was scrolling through and I see Sarah Bareilles. And I'm like, what is this? And she is starring in a half-hour comedy show called Girls 5 Eva about an old 90s one-hit wonder girl band kind of in the same vein as Spice Girls and what they're up to in their 40s and how they get sampled by a rapper so like you know their top hit one hit wonder their line is like in the background layered over his song and how they reconnect and then decide to get back together and kind of their mishaps and missteps in their journey to try to resurrect their careers as 40 something year old girl band members it's actually, it's really funny. Busy Phillips is in it. Like I said, Sarah Bareilles. I'm a, I'm a Sarah B. It's produced Sarah by B. Tina Fey. Yeah. Produced by Tina Fey. It's way funnier than I expected it to be. Like, there's a lot of stupid humor, but it really, if, if you were alive in the 90s, if you liked girl bands and boy bands, it takes a lot of jabs at ev- the entire culture surrounding those and just how ridiculous it was. And it just is so entertaining. And I'm sure not everybody would relate to it, but I don't know. As someone who was really into like your NSYNC's Backstreet Boys, Spice Girls back in the day, this really hit home. And also there's some like really catchy earworms that I can't get out of my head. 
And there's actually, so season one is fully released. Season two just started coming out, I believe, on Thursday. The first three episodes of season two dropped, and I think they come out every Thursday. And I would definitely recommend this. It's it's funny. There's a lot of like, like I said, kind of old school social commentary about that whole scene back in the day that I found really hilarious. I'm really digging like half hour comedies right now. So it was good. And then speaking of that half hour comedy trend, we started watching Abbott Elementary as well. We're only a few episodes in. It is it is really good. I'm really loving all of these short comedies that we're discovering. I think it it's basically I likened it to The Office, but in a school. And I love it. It's it's great so far. Yeah. Abbott Elementary, when it was rolling out, was very hyped. And I got there a little bit. I, I didn't mention it in the podcast. We watched, we finished it real fast, like two weeks ago, two, three weeks ago. And it's, yeah, it lives up to the hype. It's very good. Uh, every character is good. It's one of those shows that, that, that shows like that thrive when every character is good and every character on that show is good. So aside from that, you know, just watching TV, doing some yard work outside, also getting into some reading. Uh, I have some books on the docket and just kind of getting back into the swing of things because I kind of take some time off during winter, play more video games than I read. But I'm getting back into it with a book called The Giver of Stars, written by Jojo Moyes. Um, But The Giver of Stars is actually a historical fiction and not a romance about the old pack horse librarians back in the day. It's really neat. There's a lot of like, obviously, this is historical fiction, but it is based on reality like the pack horse librarians were a thing they actually rode through the mountains and brought people books who lived in rural areas and couldn't make it into town to get to a library and help to teach people how to read and learn and i didn't know that was a thing and so i learned something and that's pretty cool and that's all i got learning something is always cool you heard it first here or you probably didn't hear it first here but you also it's you heard it here first but you get the point learning things is cool uh tactic what's what's what have you been up to so perusing movies to watch, I fell on The Greatest Showman starring Hugh Jackman. And I wasn't sure if I was... It's an, old, it's an oldie. Yeah. Oldie at this point. I wasn't sure if good. I was going to like it because I, La La Land didn't really capture me. I tell you, this movie I thought was fantastic. This was like, it, it far exceeded expectations. And it was catchy. It was fun. And you feel bad for all the characters and you like all the characters. And it's just, except for the one drunk guy. You don't like him. Screw that guy. That's the, uh, that's Rewrite the Stars, right? With Zac Efron and uh, mm-hmm. Zendaya. Yeah. Great, great couple. Also, uh, I'm pro I'm, Zac Efron and Zendaya over Tom Holland. There I said it. I, well, I was just going to say, I don't, I don't agree with that. But I, I, was, I was just going to say like, Zac, I, I am, I, I offer to the listeners the fact that I am a, I'm a heterosexual man. If Zac Efron propositioned me, I'd probably be into it. Breathing really He's heavy. He's got it going. Hey, when I was... He's got it going on. When I was in college, so freshman year, my roommate and I both got really sick. And I don't remember what made us watch High School Musical all weekend, but we it's did. probably because you guys were all in this together. <laughs> Maybe. You got, down with the, got, you got down with the Efron fever. Well, yeah. So then had we it. had a shirtless poster of Zac Efron. And then she kept that and then bought me another Zac Efron poster for sophomore year because we didn't end up in the same room anymore sophomore year. But we remained connected through our love of Zac Efron. And now it's between 
It's like it's like under Nerd Bomber's mattress. <laughs> you know? No, it's still on for, the wall. My those, my tape is, the, my head is just taped on his head. That's all. <laughs> and it's a, and it's a spitting image of you. Yeah. If 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 I may. Cool. Uh, what else you got for us? Oh yeah, and then we also watched a movie called Windfall. Oh, you watched Windfall. I'm actually really curious about this. Uh, not that I'm like not curious about other stuff you guys have watched, but I've we want to watch this. I love Jesse Plemons so much. Tell me it was good. It was. It was better than I expected. Oh, you okay? You you didn't like it? No, it was it was <laughs> oh, good. No. It was good. It wasn't great. It was good. Jason Segal played his character very very well. Yeah, we we thought it was going to be a comedy. A little funnier, I guess. Oh no no no! It looks like a it's pretty intense like suspense thriller is what I thought it was. Yeah, but like I thought it was going to be not as dark as it was like like a little more like haha social commentary you know where you could be like yep but like it was, was very heavy on the like artistic vibes you know there were lulls and then there was dramatic music which i i appreciate that but i and it was done very well but i guess i just i wasn't mentally prepared to be in that headspace and it it went ahead and put me there. i get that i get that like i said though it wasn't okay. bad it was good I would say it was good. It wasn't what we were expecting it to be, but it was good. It was yeah. more art housey than I think we thought it was going to be, but we should have expected that. So that's on us. That's that's exactly duly noted. Oh, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll give it a watch at some point. Uh, that didn't really that didn't really tamp the fire out in me to watch it. So maybe you'll hear from me about that next week or the week after or something. For my part, on my part, uh, I want to shout out a video game. So I'm still in the midst of a move and a lot of busy life things. So I haven't had time to get back to Mass Effect yet. That's a long-term experience. But I wanted something that I could sit down and play for like a half hour to 45 minutes. And it would be a complete end-to-end experience that I could more easily walk away from. And I've also wanted to utilize the Switch a lot more because it it allows me to do this handheld thing that again, is just a lot easier in a lot of different circumstances. So I bought for 10, it was $10 when I bought it this weekend. It might still be $10. And if it is, you should buy it. It's called wingspan and it's based on the board game that is very popular called wingspan. So it's basically a board game port to the switch, but it's extremely pleasant. If you're a fan of like Euro games or anything like that, uh, it's a really great port. You're going to like it a lot. Uh, I've played twice, I've lost once, and I've won once. So I would say the difficulty is pretty well dialed in because I feel like I'm probably a pretty average board game player. But that's been fun. I've been looking into other similar board games uh, that have ports on the Switch that I can buy. I might buy Sagrada as well because that's one of my favorite board games ever. So I've been doing that. Uh, Another thing I wanted to shout out (laughs) is a show that's been on TV for a long time. I'm actually not even sure it's on anymore. It might have ended but it's on HBO Max. I've been meaning to watch it for a long time because it seems very interesting. Uh, It's a show called Nathan For You. Have you guys ever watched this show, Nathan For You? No. So this show is about Nathan. So Nathan Fielder is a comedian who went to business school at what he calls a very good business school in Canada, and he got good grades. That's in the intro of the show. And the whole premise of this show is it's, it's a satirical kind of reality program where he goes to businesses and acts as kind of like a business expert to help struggling businesses get back on their feet by giving them just the most insane nonsense ideas ever. So I've only watched one episode, but I'm going to watch a lot more. Again, for the reason that it's like a ha- very enclosed half-hour thing that's very funny and very unique. Uh, in the episode I watched, he went to a pizza place and said that the best way for them to get more customers in would be to 
offer an eight minute delivery guarantee, which is of course never going to happen. So it's eight minute delivery or you get a free pizza, but it didn't specify how big the pizza was. So he had them make one inch pizzas and give them out for free whenever the deliveries were late and then see if people would still pay full price for the pizza, which is a very interesting social experiment. Uh, he also tried to revitalize the customer base of a yogurt frozen yogurt stand by getting them to sell poop flavored yogurt. <laughs> so uh, it's very it's hard to uh, it. Uh, well, that's not really the point of the show. Let me put it that way. It's hard to even say because everything is so satirized. He his personality really drives it. It's a very dry, almost dark humor. I would recommend watching the first episode to see if you like it because there's no way for me to describe it in such a way that you'll know from my description. But it's like 22 minutes long as so an my episode, question so you'll probably you know pretty quick. Is yeah. based. It sounds like he has this uncanny ability to keep a straight face no matter the yes. situation. It's incredibly deadpan. Um, do you like think kind of I can thing. pull off such a role? I do. Nice. Yes. Without hesitation, I would say yes. Nice. In fact, we should try it sometime. Let's book that. Uh, so that's it for me. I'm also reading an Agatha Christie book, but that's not very interesting. And I haven't read very much of it because, again, I am very busy. But hopefully more fun things to come next week. As for right now, looking at the quiz rankings, uh, Nerd Bomber is at 5-5. Five and five. I am at 6-6. Six and six. Tectic is at 5-6. and six. And uh, Stephen Keller, 1-0. Oh. Uh, congratulations to Stephen. I'm hosting this week. So this is, again, we're, we're so knotted up here at basically a 500 record <laughs> that uh, I, whoever wins this, well, no, actually, Tectic could win and we would like all be tied then. It's like, it's actually weird. No, actually, Tectic would jump over Nerd Bomber at that point and be tied with me. Anyways, oh. this quiz is about the Oregon Trail. Now, that could mean anything from the game to the actual Oregon Trail. There's kind of a mix of those two things in here. These are all, of course, numerically based questions. Price is right style. You guys know. You've listened to this show before. Uh, I have five questions before me as well as a tiebreaker. Should it be needed? So I'm going to start. The first two questions I'm going to do are going to be... We're going to get the unhappy questions out of the way right away. As many of you may know, one of the more popular ways to die... Dysentery. ...in the Oregon Trail game is dysentery. How many people die of dysentery every year worldwide? Like currently? Currently. As we live and breathe. Uh, and we'll start with Nerd Bomber first. I feel like it's probably more than we think. I'm going to say 25,000. It's way more than that. I'm going to say 50,000. So, uh, when you first of all, when you look up dysentery on Wikipedia, it says dysentery. Other names. Uh, bloody diarrhea. So if you need to know what dysentery is, that's all I'll say. Guys, it's 1.1 million. There's a lot of problems with dysentery in the world, (laughs) Um, particularly in Central and South America, Africa, and Asia. Apparently, it happens a lot still. See, I guess I I wanted to say that it was less of a problem, but also I guess I overestimated the world a little bit. Oops. So, Tactic on the board. Uh, Right out of the gate. Good for Tactic. Continuing with our kind of grim description of the Oregon Trail. We're going to talk now about the actual Oregon Trail. Purportedly, how many graves were there for every one mile of trail? You weren't kidding. This is dark. Wow. And are you going to tell us how many miles the trail is? Don't do not do this to me. Don't, don't try and steal the questions. It's not fair. So the answer is no. Okay. I have a number. Just in case it's a question, I, I have a number of what I believe the Oregon Trail 
length is in miles. Okay. And based on that, I think it's X number of graves. So I'm going to say, I think it's, I'm not going to say with my multiplier either, because that would give away my number. But I'm going to say there's, so you want the total number of graves or how many per mile? No. How many graves per mile of trail? Oh, this is, this is less calculations and more just guesstimations. That's, that, that's, that is, that is the point. Is it a whole number? It is a whole number. I'm going to say three. I think it's more than that. I'm going to say 10 just so I don't bust, but I think it's 10 because all the like quote unquote safe areas are going to be pulled up by all of the, the creeks. And I know this from the game. A lot of, a lot of wagons went over in the creek. This is uncanny. So it is 10 graves for every one mile of trail. And one of the things cited in this article is accidental drownings from exactly what you just described. So uh, Nerd Bomber, you are a lot of Oregon your Trail. Oregon Trail. Uh, that was that was honestly intimidating. I played it so, one time. Uh, You've only played it one time? Correct. There was a whole, depending on what version you played, there was a whole area where you had to cross the river and you had to hope that your ox would make it or you would fall over. And it was very stressful. I played it one time. I said, this game is bull crap because it's just random and there's no skill involved. Screw this. There was a lot of skill. It was all about balancing your resources. And then something dumb happens. Which is why you needed to balance your resources to plan ahead. You needed to, pre- you needed to plan ahead. You needed to prepare. Boy Scout motto. Uh, next question. How long was the Oregon Trail in miles? <laughs> so Nerd Bomber, you will go first. Tectic apparently yeah. already thinks he knows. I used to know this because it was on... It was part of one of the games. I think it was part of like the 8-bit game. I'm going to say 800 miles. But I think it's more. But I'm going to say 800 it is more. It's 801 miles. Oh, screw you. Using the plus one, not a great plus one use, 2,170 miles. In other words, pretty long. Uh, it kind of, I have a map of it in front of me here, but the states aren't kind of labeled. Looks like it goes from Iowa all the way up to like the Pacific Ocean. So you can do the math there if you want to. Uh, so Tactic takes a lead, two to one. Now we're going to talk a little bit more uh, about the games in particular. When was the first Oregon Trail game released? We're looking for a year here. And we're up to... Tactic is up first now. I'm going to say 1978. That's a really good guess. 1979. Nerd Bomber, you wasted your plus one. You both busted. This is kind of a trick. So the game that most people probably know was released in 1985. However, the original Oregon Trail video game was a text-based strategy video game that was released... In 1971, uh, you had that to play this early? game using a, tele- a, te- a teleprinter. This was like one of the first games, basically. Totally text-based. You would type in responses to, to prompts, basically, and, and it would tell you what you had. It would keep track of all your resources for you. Uh, 1971 was when the first one came out. There have been a, a number of iterations since then, obviously. Uh, but the important thing here is that Nerd Bomber wasted her plus one, and now it's two to one. Tectic is up, and there is one question to go. Nerd Bomber, you go first. Uh, Tectic has used his plus one. So all is not lost, but this is going to be a tough one. We're going to continue testing your... Well, not really continue. We haven't really tested it yet. Uh, your knowledge of history. In the original Oregon Trail game, so again, the 1971 game, in what year do you play the role of a wagon leader guiding a party from Independence, Missouri to Oregon City, Oregon in a covered wagon. Basically, in what general time period was this a thing, if that wasn't clear? 
1801. It's later than that. It's 1822. It is 1847. Now, uh, 1985, the 1985e game, again, the one that's very popular, I believe it changed to 1848. But either way, Tectic takes this one home uh, by, by a good margin here. Uh, my tiebreaker was that over 65 million copies of the game in its various forms have been sold. That's including all renditions of the game as well as like board games. There's a card game that's fairly popular that I played a couple times. Uh, so the Oregon Trail is a big deal. And people die of dysentery a lot. And uh, Nerdbomber uh, lost, which actually takes her down to last place. So that moves Tactic to five er, to six and six. I'm six and six. Nerdbomber is five and six. Once again, it is literally as close as it can be. Uh, Steven, 1-0. Steven, clearly with the best record amongst us. But next week, Tactic will host, and Nerdbomber and myself will decide who's going to be in last place, basically, is what that's going to be. Uh, at least for for the next week. So, with that, we will conclude today's episode and we'll take you out with a tech tip. Don't do drugs. Pretty simple this week. Good tip. Uh, We'll see you next week.